0: I'm not starting over um and so as you can see there's pages of these verses it it will likely take you the entirety of build to go through them all even if you just do a section a week um but I would encourage it also as we've talked about different reading plans um one of the resources in here which I actually really like as well is the create your own bible reading plan um that's what I've done for years um I'm one of the few, and Scott can argue with me here, but I'm one of the few that doesn't think McShane's reading plan is actually inspired. Sit down. (laughs) 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 Inspired. (laughs) And so personally, I like to read an Old Testament book and then one or two New Testament books and go back and forth, and I've created my own and have for years. And so this is a great resource to be able to do the same. My encouragement, though, is if you do that, actually plot it out. Because if you create your own and just say, okay, I'm going to read a book, and you're, you're not going to get through scripture in a year. Like, it's just not going to happen. You have to think through it. Um, and I think that's all I have on this.
1: Do you guys want to make sure you've got your uh, handouts ready to go? There were some extras back there. If you needed one, if you didn't print at home. And if you've got a chart, God's transformation of man, we want to use those today. If you do not bring yours, you may borrow one that's back there. I know we have extras there as well, but this is what we're going to be working through again today. Um, you had no idea that you could take something so wonderfully amazing and indescribable and put it into a chart. And that kind of like ruins most stuff. But sometimes sometimes it's good to try to summarize, if you can, what... Um, is really important, and that's what this is. That's all it is. Lots of flaws to it, lots of incomplete things to it. Um, this is not incomplete, and this is not flawed. Okay, uh, so we're going to try to <laughs> make sure we see things in their proper perspective. Let's do this. Um, let's, As we look at God's Word, one of the best things that you can do ever before and as and after you've read is just pray, and, and we want to ask the Lord to help us Um, understand his word uh, see it clearly the way that we need to as God intended God did not communicate um, fuzzily Uh, he communicated clearly that doesn't mean it's easy for us to understand it just means that we need a lot of help so let's pray and we'll jump in this morning Father thank you for this Bible that you've given to us thank you for revealing yourself to us in it it is the clearest revelation of you that we have Although we can look out on what you've made and we can see uh, your invisible attributes, um, your power, your et- your eternal power, and we can see that you are creator, it is only through your word that we discover that you are also redeemer, that you are the one who took on flesh and um, came to save sinners like us and in matters of how to live this life that we now have in christ lord your word is all that we need and it is all that we have to guide us and it is enough i pray that you would soften our hearts that you would align our hearts and minds with your word the meaning in your word and that we would have a better grasp on what you have done to save us and what you will still do in saving us one day when it is all final and complete. So we offer ourselves to you. We humble ourselves. We want your word to speak over us. We do not want to sit in a place of authority over your word, judging it, determining what um, we like. We want to just humbly sit under your word and have you guide us. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's take our Bibles. Let's go back to Romans 8 and have your chart ready. And we'll kind of look at um, the chart as well. I'll try to put this up for you so we can kind of take a peek at some things as well. Romans 8. Again, what we're going to do all year and build is you're going to, sometimes there'll be lessons where we'll kind of scan through the whole Bible from left to right. For you, left to right. Wait, no, for you, left to right. Um, And then there'll there'll be times uh, where we'll dig into one passage and we'll just work through one passage, and those are complementary things that need to happen. Um, so remember, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to get a sense of what is it that God has done to save us, and again, what, what we're trying to emphasize also is why on earth do we in Bill talk so much about needing to discipline yourself? Discipline yourself to shepherd your heart, to the Word of God, to meet with God in His Word, to worship Him. Why do you? Why do we talk about The fact that we need to, that that just doesn't happen on its own, but I actually have to control myself to do that. Why do I need to discipline myself to step into my home life, into my family, my household relationships, to care for people? If I don't think about that and I don't plan for that, it doesn't go well. So why do we talk about needing to discipline ourselves, to to then also step out into ministry in the church and beyond the church with the gospel and bring the gospel to bear and the word of God to bear on other people's lives. Why do we need to be so uh, diligent to talk about disciplining ourselves? The answer is found in this. The answer is found in what the Bible teaches about what you once were, what you one day will be in Christ when you are with him, And what you are right now with him, or in him, um, in Christ. And so we're going to kind of try to answer that, especially by the end this morning. We've already worked through in your outline, uh, Roman numeral 1 and Roman numeral number 2, which is um, this unregenerate man, and then we walked through the regeneration event. Just a reminder of how the chart works, if you haven't seen it before. um, There are three states of condition that man is in there is the unregenerate man where he is not in Christ Christ is not in him he is not saved he is dead in his trespasses and sins there is the Christian the regenerate man and there is the heavenly man what we will be when we finally die or if the rapture occurs and we there, there's nothing left to take place in us after this okay the um, pictures up on top. Try to demonstrate an unmixed condition, unmixed in sin. That's why it's primarily gray. Um, And this is an unmixed condition that you will be one day uh, in holiness and righteousness and goodness and purity. Uh, This shows a progression taking place during the lifetime of this Christian where progressively you are becoming more and more like Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we are being transformed from one level of glory to the next. One level of, of impressiveness and radiance and, and beauty and glory that God has done in saving us. Um, this is a mixed condition. We're going to talk more about that again. The blue parts on each describe that condition and give you some teachings, some descriptions on what it's like to be the unregenerate man, the regenerate man, the heavenly man. The unregenerate man is primarily without Christ. Christ is nowhere to be found in this lost sinner. It is an unrighteous condition. Um, It is an unmixed sinful condition. This is who a person is without Christ. And here are all the descriptions. The regenerate man is a man who is described as being in Christ. Uh, He is being made righteous. As he lives his life, that's different than being declared righteous. We're going to talk about that in a moment. This person is being made righteous. There is a process of practicing more and more righteousness kinds of living. Where does that come from? That comes from the regeneration event in which you are once and for all, by God, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, declared righteous. Given a status that you never earned, could never earn, and cannot lose. Because God just declares it over you on the basis of faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay, So you have that declared righteous uh, event happening down here. Regeneration, being born again. Um, The way that it works, the way you get from this man to that man is you must be born again. You follow the brown down, and all of this description down here helps you understand what had to take place to get you from this kind of man to a regenerate man. Everything down underneath here, in fact, everything down here across the bottom in, in its proper place, these are events. This happens once to you, boom, a flash of lightning, and you are born again. Now, we talked about last time, your realization over the course of time of what God did like that, that may be a process of understanding and coming to grips with, but because it's a process of understanding it for you doesn't mean that it was a process that God did. Do you understand that? It takes a child a lifetime to understand what happened in the birth event. That doesn't mean the birth event was a process that took place over a lifetime. Okay? What God does when he regenerates a person is, boom, it is done. It is a once and for all event. You spend the rest of your life discovering what that event was like and achieved. Okay? What goes on in your living and being made righteous, now that's a process. That takes time. That does not contribute to your being born again. It does not trigger it. It does not improve upon it. Uh, You cannot be, in, in being made righteous in the way that you live, you do not improve on this declared position of righteousness. You can't make it better, you can't make it worse. You are in more and more being made righteous, you're trying to live according to what that is. And you're closing the gap between being, when you first get saved, you are marked by a lot of still unrighteous practice. Lord willing, by the time you die, if you get a lifetime of walking in Christ, you are going to be less, in your practice, unrighteous. It's a progression of living a holy life. That righteousness does not contribute anything to God doing this, declaring you righteous. You take these two things and you mix them up and you make this a progress, you now lost the gospel and you are now telling people they must work to be saved. Okay? If you take this and you just say, well, I'm righteous, and it doesn't matter what I do, because God just made me righteous, he didn't make you righteous, he declared you righteous. He put over you a status that you don't practice by, even yet. But he sees you according to that, and he calls you to live in alignment with that. Okay? This condition over here heavenly man you are finally made righteous you you there's now no difference between your practice and what he declared you to be here there is a difference between your being declared righteous and what you practice it already has been this morning you have thought unrighteous things you have maybe even said some unrighteous things and there was no traffic on the way here but you will later on the way home Um, there is a gap between being declared righteous and being made righteous Here, there is no gap between because you are an unmixed creature here in righteousness. And here are your descriptions. These are events. We're going to talk through these today as well. Death is an event. It's not a process. I know we're all dying and that's a process, but death happens and it's over, right? The rapture, when it comes, a twinkling of an eye, boom, it's going to be over. Resurrection, when it comes, it will be an event, okay? So that's kind of the way to Think about this. One of the key things, whenever you get mixed up, like, wait a minute, why why am I still sinning? Just stand here in the middle under this guy. This is where I am. And just think, in my past, I'm not what I used to be. Right now, I am not what I once was. And that's really good news. And you know what's um, where your hope is? What I am right now is not <laughs> yet what I will be. And just stand there and remember, past to future. And right now I'm in this weird, really glorious place to be. That is better than where I was, but it ain't anything compared to what I will be. Okay? all right. so let's go back to Romans 8 now. Let's look at verse 5. We're going to read down to verse 13 and we'll continue on. Paul says, for those who are according to the flesh, and that's this condition (coughs) over here. Paul in Romans 8 in this section is not talking about... Um, an hour of your day where you were just really according to the flesh as a Christian. That's not what he's talking about. There are other passages that emphasize those kinds of things. That's not what he's doing here. And according to the flesh condition is the lost man, the unregenerate man. So for those who are according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who are according, um, but those who are according to the spirit, that's the one who's saved, the regenerate man, that one sets his mind on the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh, unregenerate man, is death. This is a dead condition. But the mind that is set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. This is a hostile toward God position. This condition does not subject itself to the law of God. This condition is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh in this condition cannot please God. Okay? Okay? Verse 9, however, Christian, Paul's writing to the church, he's writing to believers, you, however, Christians, are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. That's this condition. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, that's this person back over here, the unregenerate man, he does not belong to Christ. This one does not belong to Christ because the Spirit is not in him. If Christ is in you, that's this condition, though the body is dead because of sin yet the spirit of that man is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that's this condition he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies one day, I went too far, right over here Um, through his spirit who dwells in you. So then If that's the case, so what right now? That's verse 12. What does verse 12 say? So then, we right now in this condition are under obligation, not to the flesh that we still have, to live according to the flesh. If you are living according to the flesh, what happens to this person who's living according to the flesh? They must die. But if by the Spirit... You are putting to death The deeds of the body The deeds that just come out of this body Because it still has sin You will live You're going to live For all who are being led by the spirit of God Those are the sons of God So let's talk about the result of uh, regeneration It is the regenerate man This is uh, Roman numeral number 3 To find out what the regenerate man looks like Let's go back to verse 5 The last part of verse 5 But those who were according to the Spirit, and that's implied, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Who are you now in Christ? We are those who are according to the Spirit. And as such, we then take our inner thinking self and we set that according to the Spirit. We are in a new condition that has a new standard. Um, Our standard before was the flesh. We were according to this fallen, weak Sinful, never able to please God condition. We were calibrated towards that. We were patterned after that. And all we could do is take our inner thinking man and set our minds according to that. But now we are not. We have been made through, by going through a new birth process uh, event, we are now uh, set according to a brand new pattern. Un- we are calibrated to a new standard, the spirit. We are patterned to him. And now... In that we take our inner thinking self and we pattern it after the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. We calibrate our minds to Him. Look at verse 6. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but in contrast, the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. What a contrast. What a difference it makes when the Spirit of God comes into a man. Okay? What a contrast. This is death. It's a dead condition. But as soon as the spirit is in, this is life and peace. Peace with God. Life and peace. No life here. No peace. Lots of it here. Um, The life that you have now in peace that's here with God is really good. You are not yet experiencing the fullness of it yet, though, that you one day what? will. But you've got the down payment for it now. The Holy Spirit is that guarantee in you of it. That inheritance to come. Okay. Now, drop down in Romans 8 to verse 9. That's where he picks up some more description of the regenerate man. However, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. In the spirit rather than in the flesh. In the unmixed sense of that. This is an in the flesh unmixed condition um and notice how paul describes the spirit here he is the spirit of god in verse nine if indeed the spirit of god dwells in you but if anyone does not have the spirit of christ in you so he's the spirit of god he's the spirit of christ and he dwells in that i may need you to help me with that again so i don't give out your pin number to everybody um The Spirit is the one who dwells in the unregenerate man. That is the primary difference. Listen, what's the difference between you and an unsaved man? It's not that you are more resourceful than him, and you're a Christian because of that. It's not because you're smarter or more intelligent than him. The difference between you and an unsaved man is the Spirit of God. That's the difference. Okay, You've got nothing to boast in as to why you're a Christian. You just have the Spirit of God and you didn't do anything to earn that and make a hospitable environment where he goes, whoa, I want to come live there. No, you were death. And he just came in and made you alive. And he is the difference maker. That's the primary difference. Verse 9 then, at the end, it actually describes the unregenerate man. Here's another description of this character over here look at the end of verse 9 if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ he does not belong to him Uh, if the spirit of Christ is not in this guy uh, this guy does not belong to Jesus okay the indwelling Holy Spirit and the remaining fallen flesh that you have together what happens when you put the spirit of God in this person who still has indwelling flesh, flesh and indwelling sin what happens the same thing that happens when you put two UFC fighters who hate each other in a cage. You've never watched a match where both of them walk to the middle and just say, you know, we, we've got we've to we've come up with a peace plan here. We've, you know, they're, they're both out to kill each other, to destroy any peacemaking that could go on. And that is what happens when you become a Christian. <clears throat> the Spirit of God comes in you The flesh remains, and there is a war that takes place in you. And that is what it means to be a Christian. Okay, You might wish that this is an unbeliever, there's no fight against sin, and a Christian is the one where there's no fight against sin anymore, because I always do what's right. You might wish it was that way, but that's not what it is, and that's not who you are. You are the person who was saved into a battle. You one day will get over here. You will. And nothing can separate you from Christ who will get you there and by the Spirit who will get you there. But you were saved into a battle. Okay, it, There is dramatic uh, conflict that goes on inside. You want to see that for a moment? Go over to Galatians 5, verse 16. Keep your hand in Romans 8 because we'll come right back in just a moment. But I want you to see that the Spirit brings a conflict with your flesh. Romans, or I'm sorry, Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit who is in you, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. What is your only hope? Look, your flesh has desires. Your fallenness, your fallenness, your weakness before God, um, your unable to please God condition, has desires. And the only way that you will not carry them out is if you live by the Holy Spirit who is in you. Okay? Live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another. They are not, they never think the same way. They never agree on anything. Okay? And this all happens so that you may not do the things that you please. You wonder why you don't do the things that you please, Christian? There's your answer. Because you have the Spirit of God in you who says, go this way, and your flesh says, no way. And you need to listen to the Spirit of God. Go back to Romans 8. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Romans 8.10, there's more truth about the regenerate man. If Christ is in you... Okay, now wait a minute. Think about this. What God wanted to do in saving you. What what did he have to do? He had to put two members of the Godhead in you to put you into a condition that you can be pleasing to him. That's pretty costly, don't you think? That God would say, I'm going to put two out of the three persons of the Godhead in you. Okay, So the Spirit is in you, Christ is in you. Though the body is dead because of sin, this is Romans 8.10, Yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Okay, so you have this body here is dead in sin. The body is dead because of sin, I should say. That body that is dead because of sin, you carry with you. You still have a body that is dead. A physical body that is dead because of sin. But inside you is Christ. Inside you is the spirit. And your spirit is no longer dead, but alive. That is about as mixed a condition you could describe in the Bible. A body that is dead because of sin, but your spirit is alive inside. It didn't used to be that way. Christ is in you. He was never in you over here, and the spirit is in you over here, and that is a conflict within yourself that is massive. could not be a clear description of a mixed creature. Okay? And that is the new creation. In Christ, express now. You, you might wish that, um, again, that this whole part just went out and the new creation would just be this. It will be one day, but that's not where God puts you. That's just not where you're at yet, by His design. And, and God, He always does what glorifies Him, right? And so somehow it glorifies Him that He would save you into a fight. That he it glorifies him that you would step onto the battleground and that you would fight against your sin and flee from it. If he had skipped this, it would have robbed him of the glory that he wanted that was due him in the fight. Okay? Look at verse 11. But if the spirit of him, and, and now we get a little sneak peek uh, ahead. Watch this Romans 8 11 but if the spirit of him of god who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you okay so what did the spirit of god do with jesus raised him from the dead if that spirit who raised jesus from the dead is inside you well then he who raised christ jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you so The Spirit of God raises Jesus from the dead. You take that Spirit who raises Jesus from the dead and you put him inside you. What is that Spirit going to do with you one day? He is going to raise you from the dead. He is going to take this mortal body that is dead because of sin in it that you still have. It's a mortal body. It is susceptible to death. It will die. He will give life to that mortal body one day the spirit will that spirit who is in you who is helping you to live a life now will one day bring a body to this body that will have life okay the spirit is the one who moved Jesus lived in this condition he was not a mixed creature this where he is very much not like us he took on the weakness of flesh of human flesh without sin in it and he lived this kind of a life but with a mortal body and the spirit is the one who brought him across into a resurrected body a resurrected body that could be there and then not be there a resurrected body that could go through this wall a resurrected body that could eat fish in front of his disciples a resurrected body that still had holes in it where the nails were that they could touch a body that could go from the ground in a cloud up to the right hand of the Father who's in heaven. Okay? That wasn't his mortal body that he had that was susceptible to death. That was his resurrected body. That spirit who did that to Jesus is going to bring you across the resurrection line as well. Okay? And give life to your mortal body. That's what he does, he raises us from the dead. So right now you have a mixed condition between your body and your spirit. Your spirit is alive. Your body is dead because of sin. But at the resurrection, that unmixed condition goes away because this resurrected body will not be dead because of sin. There will be no sin in that body. And your spirit will still be alive. And those two conditions will be in total agreement with each other. That is not right now okay so what verse 12 so then now you're under obligation as a believer with this mixed condition you are under obligation to do what to not live according to the flesh because the one who lives according to the flesh that person has to die that's what that's the only thing that can happen there if you are according to the flesh you will die But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, that is a a progressive nature of where you're you're putting to death the deeds of the body, that's proof that the Spirit of God is in you, well then you're going to live. That's not saying you earn salvation, you are already saved. It just means what you do with that Spirit as you progressively live, you put to death the deeds, the sinful deeds that come from this body, that's proof you're going to live. that's your obligation verse 13 if you're living according to the flesh you must die but if by the spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body you will live your flesh can only ever lead you to one destination spiritual death if you take that kind of a man and you say look I'm going to give you some really good rules that you should live by and you give to that flesh that can only go one place to death, he will take those even good rules. If you give the dead man the Ten Commandments, the best rules that were ever given in one time in one place to Israel, if you give him those ten rules, and he is in the flesh and living according to the flesh, and his mind, said, according to the flesh, his flesh with those good rules will take him to eternal death. Because the law, as you're going to see in 1 Corinthians 15, never has a a capacity in it to give life to the dead man. Only one thing does, and it is only one person who does, and it's the Spirit of God. So you robe that flesh man, that man in the flesh, with good religious rules, and you put a nice big white paper hat on him, and you make him walk, and you swing some incense back and forth, or you give them a mormon flavor of it or you give them a jw flavor of it or you give them a muslim flavor of it and they go after morality their own way and say that it's god or allah whoever it is that condition while it is in the flesh will only ever lead every single one of those men to death what is the difference between them and you it ain't anything about you or me It is the spirit of God who comes into a man and you don't know where he came from. He's like the wind that blows and you don't know where he came from or where he's going. But he does that. He did that on the road to Damascus with Paul. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody got up that morning and saw Paul leaving Jerusalem on his way to Damascus and said, you know what? I think he's close. I think he's going to be a Christian today. Paul didn't say that as he's walking along the road. He didn't say, you know what? I think I might actually change my mind about this Jesus guy. Now, what's the difference the spirit of God and he saves sinners and and that is horribly true is it not about the flesh you know what is wonderfully true the spirit of God comes in and the spirit of God only has one destination too life life with God and so when the spirit of God comes into a man there's only one place you're going guys there's only one place you're going, and you will never be separated from it. Romans eight, the rest of it, you're going to make it here. He is the guarantee. Ephesians one thirteen and fourteen. He is the down payment. He is your guarantee that you are going to get everything that he says you're going to get. Okay, that's the difference between you and the unsaved man. All right, now let's talk through. Uh, let's look at verse thirteen. Now, I already did that. If I spirit you're putting to death, you spirit will lead you. I'm getting ahead of my notes. What does that look like right now then? Um, if you don't know the word mortification, you need to know the word mortification. That, what is the Christian life? You're putting to death the deeds of the body. Every day you get up and you are a killer. A ruthless killer. Empowered by the spirit to put to death the deeds of the body that's what it means to be a Christian guys I get up and I fight against my sin that's what it means to be a Christian Um, you will one day be this a guy who's not fighting anymore that's not today it's not today and you're not this either because this guy wasn't fighting either but you're not him anymore you're somebody new And the foundation under all that is Christ and the Spirit of God. Okay? all right. Um, Verse 14, one last verse. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, that's this person right here, and what does it mean contextually to be led by the Spirit? That you are fighting, you're putting to death the deeds of the Spirit by, or the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit in that sense, all who are being led by the Spirit in that sense are what? <coughs> Children of God. Okay. Even if the light goes out and you can't see it, you're still a child of God, a son of God. Okay. Look at what's characterized. Look on your chart and look at um, the mixed condition of the regenerate man is characterized by. Do you see that right here in the middle? Let's just look right there. Just look at some of those. I want to highlight some of them. The first two the unchanging um, realities accomplished at regeneration, these regeneration components down here, and the regeneration benefits, all of those continue. You continue to enjoy those in your Christian life. You continue to enjoy those in your Christian life. You have now a new identity in Christ. Um, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1:30. Uh, this has been all achieved by Christ, who has become to us wisdom, righteousness, and what is the other? is a sanctification. I forget. Um, this condition is freedom from slavery to sin. Mm-hmm. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Let me hold the three corners so we get this. <laughs> let's um I'll just stick with this yeah let's just do that because I'll I'll keep forgetting and and okay oh that's good thank you all right now that you all know what's on Netflix coming up um you have a new identity in Christ you are in this condition in the middle here guys you are freed from being a slave to sin that does not mean that you are not influenced by sin but it means that you don't you're not chained to it anymore you've been set free from it sometimes you're really dumb and you go over and try to put the shackle back on but that doesn't that's not the same as being enslaved to it romans 6 is all about that in this condition because the spirit of god is in you you have the ability now to bear fruit of The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of that begins to come out. By the way, does this category of humanity claim to love? Do they claim to express joy? Do they claim to be able to have peace? Are they ever patient with one another? Yes. And they're able to do all of those things. What's the difference between their love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and ours? This one has No Christ in their love has no Christ in their joy has no Christ in their peace has no Christ in their patience and therefore their love and their joy and their peace and their patience is wrath worthy because it has no Christ in it. It does not please Christ to be patient with somebody with a patience that does not honor him. Now you might want to live and I want to live in a world where some of these these men still want to be patient with each other even with a counterfeit patience. I would rather live in that world than a world where they don't, but it doesn't mean it's pleasing to the Lord. Do you understand that? Your patience is very different than theirs now. It can be. It can be. Not every time. You ever been patient with your kids in a way that wasn't pleasing to the Lord? Hello. Welcome to my world. Okay? Alright, so you've got that. Uh, good works. You are now, uh, he, he created good works for you to walk in, right? Now you're walking in them. You can do that now. Um, he redeemed us Titus 2 14 he redeemed us and now we are people who are zealous for good works we're, that's not just the guy who's in heaven who's zealous for good works that's the one that he saves now okay you now have an ability to obey God that you never have before you may have even thought you were at times oh I'm not gonna think I'm not gonna say that horrible thing as an unbeliever to that person because I want to please God. Now now you're choosing to do it in a way that doesn't have Christ in it, and that's not pleasing to the Lord. So even when you're trying to please the Lord, you're not. Because you really don't want to anyway. You want to do it in a way that's Christless. But now you have an ability to please God. God is at work in you, and you are working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Okay? Galatians 5, 16, by the spirit, you're putting to death the deeds of the body. That's Romans 8, Uh, but you're living by the spirit, walking by the spirit, and not by the flesh. And look down in that list, proneness to sin. Guys, that is a characterization of this place. You are prone to sin still. That doesn't mean you should. That doesn't mean it's okay. You can't ever say, well, we all sin. Well, you're a sinner too, honey. You can't do that. Don't, by the way, don't do that. Don't do that. That just never goes well, okay? That's not helpful. Galatians 5.17 talks about that. Hebrews 12.1 and 2. Um, let us run and, and lay aside the, the, the sins and the entanglements of sin. You can still be entangled by sin. By the way, entangled by sin is different from being enslaved to sin. Hebrews 12.1 and 2. You can still be entangled by sin in this condition, Right? you can Ephesians 4.30 in this condition you can grieve the Holy Spirit you're prone to do that sometimes so am I Colossians 2.20 you still will submit yourself to some rules sometimes that have absolutely no use for you like they didn't for the um, Colossian believers James 3.8 and 9 That's not written there but James 3.8 and 9 with our mouth we bless God and we curse men it ought not be this way but we're prone to sin. That, that's a good description of a of a mixed creature, that we'll use our mouth to speak good things about God, and then we'll turn around and slander our brother. It's a mixed condition. Okay. Ongoing repentance. You confess your sins. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's you're prone to that to have an ongoing repentance. Your life is a process of repentance after the initial repentance of conversion. and ongoing faith. I love Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Okay, that's what God had to do to save you from this condition. He had to nail it somehow to Jesus at the cross. I've been crucified with Christ, that old me, and the life that uh, I've been crucified with Christ is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God. So, I, this life, this condition here is, is, is marked by an ongoing faith. I continue to live my life by faith in the Son of God. There is, um, there is a, a belief that is once and for all that is tied to the declaration of righteousness over you. And then there is the ongoing living by faith in your sanctification that must take place for the one who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20. There is progress in Christ-likeness in this condition. We are being transformed more and more into the image of Christ from one level of glory to the next. And this condition then, if you look on your chart, let's talk about what it requires. Just a few things there for us to take a look at. What does it require? This condition, if we are in this condition, it requires God's relentless transformation of the believer. God never gives up, stops, stops transforming you more and more. He is at work in you. The word of God is performing its work in you. Um, it requires your diligent pursuit of holiness. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, uh, you have been given everything that you need for life pertaining to life and godliness in this, and now applying all diligence, Christian, applying all diligence according to what you've been given, you go after it, we go after it. It requires us in this condition. You don't ever... look. This condition has no cruise control on it. There's no coasting on this. It is always a progressive pushing. You're never going to find the floor where the pedal will stop. You just keep pushing and you keep pushing and you keep pushing and you keep pushing and you keep going and going and going. And that is what it means to be a Christian. That doesn't mean you'll do it every time. There's going to be sometimes you're going to take your foot off and you just go, I. And that's really sad when we do that. What do you do when that happens? You stop and you go, I don't think I'm. I think. No, you don't do that. You confess your sin. You confess your sin. And he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you get, put your foot back on the pedal and you go. That's what we do with each other. Now, you live a lifetime of taking your foot off, and you need to go back and ask yourself some questions about what God has really done or has not yet done. But you don't do that on any one event in your life. Okay? Any snapshot of your life. You look at the video of your life. That tells a whole lot more. Do you understand? <laughs> okay? Hey, Scott. Yes? Uh, quick
0: question is yeah. there going to be still mystery in our glorified body
1: mystery in the sense
0: of uh, look. Uh, just in life we we're pushing and pushing and there's this journey of knowledge that we learn from uh, what God is uh, teaching us yeah. but do we still have mystery in our glorified state?
1: I, I think so but not maybe necessarily in that category Right. You, there will be still a, every day in eternity future um, forever new marveling and discovering and wonder at who Christ is and the Father and the Spirit. The mystery will keep unfolding there because how do you um, exhaust the inexhaustible even in heaven? Now, in terms of there will be no more um, uh, unsolved mysteries in a resurrected body because those will all be fixed and done. Um, So in our bodies in regards to us, I don't think there will be any more mystery. Um, we might think back if we are able to think back if it glorifies God in heaven for us to think back on our unmixed condition or our mixed condition on earth and go that was a mystery why on earth did I make those kinds of dumb th- I don't know maybe maybe we'll look back but I think there will still be some mystery in regards to who God is just because heaven does not all of a sudden lay him out in his entirety for us as creatures to uh, completely get our heads around who he is um there will still be mystery in regards to him I think that what else are we does this uh, require it requires god guys you you to be weary about your sin you you can't in this condition sin and go and not be bothered by it we must be weary of it um, and that happens um let me ask you a question in regards there's some verses there on the believer's weariness about indwelling sin and it's jeremiah seventeen nine the heart is deceitful above all else. Who who knows it? I mean, who can figure this heart out? Let me ask you this question in regards to the chart. Okay? Kind of a trick question. I'm gonna tell you that now. Maybe just answer in your head so you don't have to embarrass yourself and say the wrong answer out loud. Although nobody here will judge you. We might snicker, but we're not gonna judge you.
0: Okay?
1: <laughs> okay, so just listen. Here's your heavenly man. And he has an inner man, he has a heart, he has a mind, he has a soul, he has a spirit heavenly man is this man here able to be deceived by sin in his heart in this condition over here answer is no no. he's not able to this man right here you today are you able to be deceived by sin in your heart here answer Yes. yes even though he made you a new creature he made you into a new creature who can still be deceived in your heart by sin. But boy, that's a better condition than it was before because all you ever were was deceived by sin, but now you can have truth by the Spirit of God and a day is coming when you will no longer be deceived by sin. Okay, we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Um, in fact, let's just go ahead and do that. There's some key descriptions down here of the uh, new condition. I want to focus in on one tied to what we just talked about. It is the uh, third one from the bottom. In the middle residual sin and regeneration are evident in all of your faculties okay let's just unpack that for a moment um, in your thought life in your emotions in your motives and in your deeds two things are always swirled together two things are always swirled together in every thought in every motive in every word you speak and in every deed you do two things are always swirled together and that is the residual effect of sin and you are regenerated. So, if I say to you, uh, you question something that I, I'm doing and you say, well, I just, I, I'm not really sure what your motive in that was doing. And I say back to you, oh, my motive is pure. Any of you ever said that before? If you want to apply this correctly... What the Word of God says about our condition, uh, you probably won't say it that way. Because you will never have any one motive. Okay, who does have a motive that is pure? But as long as sin is still here, listen, sin does not say, okay, look, okay, I lose. That's fine, Spirit. I lose. Divide up the territory. Show me where I can live. Show me what and I, I won't cross the boundaries. And the Spirit says, okay, I get the thoughts. And I get the motives, but you can have the emotions. And so sin affects your emotions, but it never affects your thought life. It's not that way. It's every single thought, every single motive, every single action, every single word you do, each one of them is mixed with the Spirit of God in it and your residual flesh in your fighting. And so to claim purity in anything you say, to claim total and complete purity in any motive you ever say you have is probably not very wise. Now you may take issue with that with me today, but you wrestle with God's word and we'll keep talking. And I just want to encourage you, if, there, if there's things that you're hearing, you're like, oh my goodness, this is like, no, no way. Just give it time. Um, just come back to the next build Um, and and just keep coming and and let this just keep washing over you. Um, It doesn't mean that every motive you have is entirely evil either. Now, it can be sometimes. But you have the Spirit of God in you. There may be some good reasons why you did what you did or what you thought. But you just can't claim to be an unmixed, motivated person because that's this person. Do you understand? You have to be careful how you um, do that. And it's really hard. I mean, look, when, when, when somebody says to you, and, and as, as elders, the elders have had to, to deal with this, in the body over the years, well, God's given me a new heart, and my motives are pure now. Really? And that's why you're treating your wife the way that you are? It's interesting. But you can't counsel that person. You can't disciple that person. You can't confront that person because that's the smoke screen that comes up that says, you can't touch me because my motives are pure. I have a new heart. Don't you guys teach that, that you have a new heart? Yeah, we do, but not like that. Because that's not what the Word of God says. Okay? God yeah,
0: can fully identify, though, when we're totally unrighteous in what we're doing, right? Yeah. I mean, I can pretty much identify that when there's no yeah. spirit at all.
1: In- yeah, I think, I think it's easier... Yeah, I, I just don't think they're. I don't know. I'm I'm hesitant to say. I'm not hesitant to say what you're saying. I think there are times when I think things that are absolutely spirit less, Christ less. Um, I think there's. Okay, I should probably qualify a little bit. I think there is a way to think about things that are pleasing to the Lord when you are seeing scripture and you're affirming what it says. Okay, I wanna I wanna grant that. I'm probably talking more about day-to-day living situations that maybe the Word of God might not speak to or motivations why I did something. You just have to be really careful. Because what there there's more, there's more hang-up, there's more trouble, there's more um, Entanglements when you're claiming that you're doing something and it's pure. You just have to be careful. Check your heart. Um, let me give you a, a scripture. Go to Proverbs 28.6. 28.26. Proverbs 28.26. he who trusts in his own heart is a fool but he who walks wisely will be delivered okay so who's he saying this to who's Solomon talking to he's talking to his sons and his assumption throughout this is his son is a a genuine Old Testament believer and he's exhorting his believing son to not trust in his own heart why Why would you not trust in your own heart because it's mixed in fact it's it's contrasted with being wise walking wisely so I don't know maybe, maybe there can be some debate about to what extent can you uh, do any one thing with purity I, I, I'm very influenced by my own heart and mind and, and the difficult decisions that have to be made in life I, I have very rarely found myself to be entirely pure Jen
0: it it would seem from from an accuser's standpoint, you would always be able to question the motives of the heart. But it would seem that the believer's response would be one of careful consideration, yeah, as opposed to right. I think self-defensiveness, yeah, and self-justification, yeah.
1: And and that that's a, that's a that's a very appropriate way to talk about it, and I and I think that's good. Um, You want to be, because you understand your mixed condition, if somebody questions what you're thinking or questions what you're saying, questions your motive, the first response should not be, how dare you question me? Right? And yet that's what we do a lot of times. Um, And so we have to be really careful and say, help me, talk to me, speak to me. I'll listen. That doesn't mean in the end you'll agree, maybe. But it means that you should at least be uh, approachable. All right, I want to go to the the last guy because we're running out of time. Let's go to the last guy. That's a real technical term for the with Christ man, the heavenly man, unmixed, sinless, conditional. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58. Fantastic passage. This is so great There are two descriptions here of the heavenly man I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15 50-58 Paul says in verse 50 Now this I say, brethren That flesh and blood Cannot inherit the kingdom of God Okay, your flesh This flesh here And your blood And we know he's not talking about sinful flesh Because he ties it with blood He's talking about your humanity as it is cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's not in a condition in which it can inherit it. It has to go through a transformation and get into a new condition to inherit the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean that God can't make you a citizen of the kingdom now in this condition. It just means you haven't inherited it yet, okay? Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Oh, now I got some clarity about this condition. This condition, this body I'm in is a perishable one. It's perishing. It's susceptible to death. It's going to it's susceptible to corruption. But this corruption condition, this perishable condition needs to inherit that which is incorruptible or that won't perish. That's the only way that I'll be ready for the kingdom of God in all of its fullness. Paul says in verse 51, so that, okay, so that's first one description. This is a perishable condition now. The, the, the man, the heavenly man is a, an imperishable condition. Over here, it's not susceptible to decay anymore or corruption. Paul says in verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Now that is the New Testament way of talking about the death of a believer. Not all of us are going to go through this death thing. What's another passage that talks all about that? 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18. Okay? It's called the rapture. And that's where you have over the top here on your chart an arrow that skips that. Some of us will skip this. Okay? And at the end of class, we're going to tell you which ones of you that is. (laughs) It's a mystery. Okay? I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but what? Whether you skip death. In rapture, or whether you die and you're separated from your body, we will all be changed. We will all get there one way or another. Okay, that's verse 51. Now, how does this happen? In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Does that sound like a process? Event. Boom. Okay? Um, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Okay? for this perishable condition right here that we're still in it must put on the imperishable and this mortal condition that's the second description susceptible to death this is a susceptible to death condition because it is a body that is dead because of sin right Romans 8 it's mortal Um, it has to put on immortality over here but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and when this mortal will have put on immortality, then comes about the saying. So when you finally get over here, resurrected condition, when you finally get over there, then comes the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Why can you say that then? Because death will no longer have any residual lingering effects or will no longer be a soul separated from a body. And that is still an effect of death until resurrection then death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting where does death get its sting the sting of death is sin why can we now say way over here that there's no more sting because there's no more sin and where does sin get its power the law sin gets powered up by law Give law to a, somebody who's in a, a body that is dead because of sin and still has flesh and the law just gives, you just, you're just toast, right? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says all of that with a therefore. What's his, what's his takeaway? What's, what's the, what, why am I telling you this, Paul says. What does he say, verse 58? It all has to do with how you live right now. So all of these glorious realities here are that will be true for you one day that you will enjoy forever and ever are meant to motivate you here on how to live today. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that this work here you're doing, it's not in vain. You're going to get there. Okay? That condition with Christ one day, that condition will be an unmixed condition no sin anywhere the law won't have any power with sin there uh, death is gone we will sing victory songs over death there will be no evidence anywhere of um, life making some kind of a truce or a compact or a peace treaty with death and death will have some territory here but it just can't come out because like the Germans in World War II and World War I we gave them a little bit of territory but they get to keep lingering on no um, death is vanquished Is gone forever Swallowed up. It's unmixed. No trace of death, none of that. Okay? So, before Christ, here you were without Christ, and that was an unmixed condition that was absolutely hideous. Here you will will be one day in an unmixed condition and it will be absolutely glorious. Where are you today? Not here in this unmixed condition and not here in this unmixed condition but right here in this mixed condition okay you're right there and that is what pleases God to do to save you Jesus wants you in that heavenly man condition in John 17 24 he prayed to the father I want them to be where I will be with you he wants you to go through death or rapture, to get to where he's going, and don't worry—he died before you, and he made it. You've got nothing to fear. Any proof of that needed is all found at the empty tomb. You don't need to fear death. I don't need to fear death. I do sometimes, don't you? But you don't need to fear it. He's praying for you to get there. Paul says in, in Philippians three ten and eleven. Ah, to attain to the resurrection of the dead. And you know what? Paul died 2,000 years ago, and Paul still has not yet attained to the resurrection. Have you ever thought of that? He doesn't have his resurrected body yet. He's in heaven with Jesus. He's absent from the body, but he's at home with the Lord. But he has not attained the resurrection yet. Because that's not... The, 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 the body bodyless state of heaven is not the final... Plan that God has for you. It is a kingdom in which you have a body and a spirit united together, like Jesus' body in his spirit. He's the firstborn in the resurrection, right? Uh, it would not even be right for God to give that resurrection condition to anybody else before his son. His son is first, he's the firstborn of it, and we will all follow him into it and have it one day. Okay? the the death events that are underneath down here are all event realities death is called down here we say it is uh, the disintegration of the inner man from the outer man that means I'm going to be absent from the body but at home from the Lord you disintegrate the inner and the outer man pull them apart at death resurrection is the reintegration these are fancy words they're fun to use sometimes when you understand what they mean Um, is the reintegration of the inner man not with the old body but with the resurrection body okay those two things come back together again and that is the final plan that he has for you to experience um, we believe for a thousand years on earth with Christ as he reigns on earth and finishes out all his plans and his promises to Israel and then forever in the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven when everything gets burned up and it's just new and then we just live with that resurrected body with Christ. And he is with us. He is the temple. We don't need a temple. We don't need light. There's a river flowing. It's great. That's where we'll be. Okay? The rapture uh, is 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that, the twinkling of an eye. Um, not all of us will die. Um, some of us will uh, be changed instantly. All of us will be changed, but all, some of us will skip the death part. Now, I want to make for you a couple of observations, and then we're going to let you sneak off to um, your uh, discussion groups. Um, here's your encouragement. Again, I would just want to remind you, set yourself in the middle where God has you, and think back to your former life without Christ, and think forward to your, what your life with Christ will be one day, okay? Here's your encouragement as you look back on your old life, okay? What you are today, right now, in your union with Christ is not that unmixed condition of the old man. It is not. The fact that you still think sinful thoughts today and still say sinful things and still do sinful things is not proof automatically and conclusively that you are that old man. You're just not. Because if God puts his spirit in you and puts his son in you, um, you are different. You're not that guy. So you should be encouraged. I'm not what I was. Okay, right? I'm not unmixed in death. I'm not unmixed in hostility toward God. These are Romans 8 um, descriptions. I am not unmixed in my rebellion against God. I am not unmixed in my unequipping uh, to live before God, I'm not unmixed in my inability to please God anymore. Union with Christ, coming into Christ and Christ into you, means that you can never go back to that condition. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. What what He has started in you, the fact that you are still influenced by sin today in this regenerate condition does not mean that you have automatically slipped back into that. You can't. You can choose sin, and you will be dumb. We all are. But that doesn't mean you're that old guy anymore. Okay, It's an old man. And that old man was crucified with Christ. That old man doesn't walk alongside you anymore. Any more than a crucified man in the first century walked off, came home when he was done being crucified. He's dead. Okay, Now, that's your encouragement. You wipe your brow and you say, I'm not what I used to be. And then you humble yourself and you turn... And you look forward and you have hope. And I am not yet what I need to be. But I hope one day to get there. I'm counting on it one day to get there. I'm gonna participate with the spirit of God in me. I'm going to walk by that spirit. I'm going to put to death the deeds of the body by that spirit, not in my own power, but I am aiming for, hoping for, longing for heaven. Oh, to live now is Christ, and that's good. It's better than it was. But to die is what? Cain. Philippians 1. Right? So you live in this world where no matter which way you look, there's good news for you. There's good news for you no matter which way you look. And you need to shepherd your heart to that every day and remind yourself of that great work of Christ in you. Okay? That old man was not a mixed condition And the heavenly man is not a mixed condition, but this one is. And because it's mixed, you must watch over yourself carefully. When you are the heavenly man, you won't have to watch over yourself anymore because you will have nothing working against the Spirit of God in your new body. And you had no desire to watch over yourself when you were an unbeliever. Today, you must watch over yourself. You need to discipline yourself, control yourself, uh, open the Bible and drag your sorry carcass in front of it and read it and say, God, take this mind and help me to calibrate it according to your spirit again. By your word, I want to know you. This is where you reveal yourself. I want to worship you. I want to draw near to you. I want to fear you. I want to be more obedient to you. I want to enjoy you more. I want to hate sin more. I want to flee from it better. I'm here. I'm desperate. Meet with me. If you don't drag yourself before the Lord, even when you don't feel like it, and if you don't say that, you won't. You won't. In fact, you don't. I don't say that because I've been in your house watching you through your nest thing or anything like that. I just say that because you're like me. <laughs> I'm that one. Okay? You have to shepherd your heart. And the same thing then when you step into your home and with your relationships in your home. And the same thing when you step out into ministry in the church, whether it's with next generation ministries, or you're greeting, or you're on security, or you're going uh, sharing the gospel at work with whoever you, you're trying to, you need to discipline yourself to be ready to do those things and to be equipped to do those things. Okay. All right. Any questions? Yes. this
0: might be off topic but where do Adam and Eve fall this I, <laughs> I, I, I might be jumping
1: so much no you're great <laughs> uh, They before they fell into sin they were not this right. and they were not this until God saved them so that that's another state of man and you can read Thomas Boston's yeah. is it the fourth state of man yeah. you can read that <laughs> this does not do that because none of you have to worry about being in Adam and Eve's original condition right Yes. Again, Thomas. Thomas Boston. He is a, uh, a, a Puritan uh, who wrote it's, it's a fantastic book. Uh, it'll stretch your mind. You'll probably need a dictionary. Well, I, I'm sorry. I need a dictionary. So I want to read that. John.
0: So I've got a practical question yep. about dealing with the unbelievers in my home.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned... You should deal with them, by the way. I do. Good. Believe me. <laughs> uh, you
0: mentioned that uh, it is better for us if our unbelieving neighbors, our understanding neighbors, are more patient rather than less patient. And the place where I find myself often with my my home, yeah. is working on them in their unregeneracy because I yeah. feel like I have power over that and I can control that, yeah. right? And it's really annoying when they're impatient. Yeah. Uh, how do I balance this benefit that I get of my unbelieving kids being more patient with wanting to see them change? Yeah, I Christ in that lightning strike regeneration.
1: Yeah, that that's a great clarifying question i my comment earlier i would make as you look out on society yeah, I know and i can't change society and i'm not called to change society i'm called to be faithful where i'm at with the people who are in my life if that makes an impact on society praise god parenting is a little different than that uh parenting you want much much more than that you you train a little uh lost mind and heart To recognize and understand from their fallenness, good versus evil. You train them to see that. And your hopes in doing that is not because that has any power, but in hopes that when God, Lord willing, does change them, they recognize good and evil for what it truly is. And so if you've got a little one who's a child who's fighting against another, and you like, it, you need to be kind, and you need to say kind words, and that one goes... I'm sorry for being unkind. I'll say something nice. I really like your socks. Okay, we know where that came from. That's not... You have been watching. I oh, have? Well, maybe I... <laughs> I saw it in my home. Um, so, um, you're, are you satisfied with that? No, you're not. You're not. And there are benefits of that kind of willingness to comply at a a very superficial, sad level. There are benefits, but you're just not satisfied with that, and that keeps you up at night, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray. Ken?
0: I mean, isn't that just a parenting? We just have to walk in faith and and trust that by the the preaching of God's word to them and by showing them God's holy standards that they will find in them their insufficiency. Yeah. Um, in other words, I I don't know as a parent that you can do much more to change their heart than to just at, you know at least point them to God's standards yeah. that they, they find their own
1: insufficiency. The way that that's that's right. The way that I try to think about it is I try to think okay, um, the Spirit of God is the only one who can change um, a sinner, as we've talked about. So I'm parenting. I'm sharing the gospel. I'm whatever I'm doing with an unbeliever Um, I'm thinking what can I set before that sinner that the spirit of God would love to use to bring about regeneration that's all I can do I can set that before them and I, I don't want to set in front of them what the spirit of God doesn't want to use hey you know what just do these rules and you'll be fine you don't want to do that so, what do you set before them? You set before them uh, Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, faith in him, repent. Uh, you, you set truth, any truth in the Bible before them, applied correctly towards them. And you set that before them because the Spirit of God loves to use the Word of God, the gospel, to bring about conviction of sin um, and hope and repentance and faith in Christ. So, that's parenting. That's parenting. And that's what you do with anybody. Um, Two examples of what the Christian life is. They're they're weak and flawed. Um, Imagine you're in a a, a stream or a river that is raging towards a waterfall and doom below. And all you are doing as an unbeliever is you are swimming with that current as fast as you can in all of your desires and your flesh and your thoughts and everything. The Spirit of God comes and grabs you and puts you in Christ and in himself and he in you and turns you around and says, swim. And now you are swimming against the current of that's within you and in the current of society and you are swimming upstream. And you look on the side of the bank and you see that tree and you're swimming and you're like, I've been doing this for a day and I'm not sure that tree's moved. Welcome to the Christian life. Do you know what the Christian life is? The Christian life is not that you have made the destination. The Christian life is that you are fighting against the current that you're swimming in. That's what he saved you into is a fight. Think of illustrations like that. They're all going to fall short. That one has all of its own complications and pressed to its you know, logical end, it's going to be very illogical. Um, but think of it. Try to think, okay, I, I, today's a fight. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's why I must shepherd my heart and that's why we start build with these two very lengthy lessons in a card that's why we try to put it out in a card is because we want you to understand why are we even doing this we must do this if you don't do this it will not go well in your life in your christian life okay